appreciate you actually having headphones and a microphone though because there's so many times i'll get people on here and they're literally doing the they're, they're like there's an echo their computer is like reverbing me and i'm just like how, how are people how are people still like that post pandemic surely no everyone idea. has a has a zoom setup these days i i have no idea and sometimes i take it upon myself where i'm like oh man do they think i just run a shitty operation because like sometimes i'll get a guest and they like prop their phone up in front of their lap i'm like dude i can see your fucking gut man can you like <laughs> can you just like raise it up a bit or put it on a thing or whatever You're like no this is all you get <laughs> like we, we we see right through your shit um thanks for doing this man i really appreciate it uh it's uh i know you're also like different time uh different times stuff too, too so you're like it's late by you right yeah, yeah, it's like half 11. 11.30, Sorry. that is. That's what, oh, half 11 half is what we say for 11.30. That's so much more fun than what we got. Everything is better overseas. Oh, it's I just... don't know if it's better, but it's different. But it's nice to talk to an American who just goes, oh, well, that's, you know, doesn't go, <laughs> well, that's wrong. Yeah, no, I don't give it. No. <laughs> it's funny. There's, there's two types of Irish people that move to America. One is the one who, when they get there, they suddenly sound 10 times more Irish than they did before they left. So they're... <laughs> They, you know, they sounded like me basically when they left, and then they get mm. to. And I don't know whether it's this thing because you get judged so harshly if you do lose your accent. They oh. get to American suddenly, they're like that. Jesus, what? <laughs> what is? I don't know. What do you? What do you mean the sidewalk? You mean the path? Yeah, you know they they suddenly go right over the top of it. But then, but, but then the worst is then you get one people who come back from you know America and they have this weird mid Atlantic, yeah. You know, and uh, and they're just as annoying. So you know, we're annoying. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The Mid Atlantic accent is probably like one of the ones that I, I I mimic and try to make fun. Like, like I had this friend whose last name was McInerney, and I was like, "That's an adventure last name. Like, that's a really like me and McInerney fought two polar bears, made friends with a sea. Like, I just and I don't. Nobody talks like that anymore, but I enjoy it so much. That's not Tim McInerney, is it? No, 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 no. no. It's his, her name is Emily McInerney. She went to she went to Rutgers, so we know each other from there, but. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, you guys were voted to have you're in like the top five sexiest accents in the world. The, the Irish? If, yeah. It was like, uh, New York was voted, uh, the top worst, accent, <laughs> the most unattractive <laughs> accent, which is, like, it was like New York, <laughs> Boston, uh, Southern, uh, <laughs> yeah. like it was pretty great, but yeah, you guys were like top five. Right. I could I. I I don't know. I quite like the New York accent, but yeah, I can see the Boston accent being a little bit. Uh, oh, that's a rough one. Wicked pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, I find that uh, quite a quite a quite when it really goes hard. It's 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 a it's a funny one. Yeah. And it always sounds, no matter what you do, it always sounds a little bit racist. You're like, <laughs> you're very white. You're just right. You're just is it, is it associative? Is it? Is it just think? It is. They're just gonna. They're just that whoever's got that accent is just going to suddenly go Wahlberg on somebody from the Far East. 
<laughs> Sorry, are we allowed to still bring that one up? I, I'm sure he's. Yeah, you can totally now. do that. That's a solid <laughs> reference. You know, what I love to. I, I always like going to Boston and doing stand up during the the winter because it is predominantly Irish and it's Catholic or whatever. Mm. And I'm, you know, but I mean, like, if people think Christmas is dead, they should go to Harvard Square during like december 1st because it just it's like fucking santa explode like it's mm. everywhere like every house is blasting some kind of christmas theme and everyone's drunk and it's nice and All like right. it really like it's like a it's like a cool um you know i love christmas but i'm not like that like holy shit like they really go all out and everyone's super kind of nice to each other by default it's really weird it sounds like a place that's really regained the the ground against the apparent war against christmas it sounds like yeah they fought a, hard that's a beachhead <laughs> do you do you remember the war on christmas oh i couldn't even get presents <laughs> oh, all the wrapping paper was newspaper it was we, terrible we had to use code like happy holidays <laughs> yeah it's weird that's the thing man i named this show dystopia tonight during the pandemic because i was like oh yeah no that like it we're definitely also it was it was well i was like one we are kind of living in a bit of a weird dystopia but it was also mm. one of those words that was kind of used like really frivolously like every <laughs> every idiot was like in this dystopian america and i'm like all right guy fucking relax and then but like since then like every like right now like there's uh the israel uh palestine conflict that's go i mean it's always kind of going on but you know what's going on now but it yeah. is weird where i'm like my god did i accidentally fucking like jink like because it's never let up it's just been one thing after the other and i don't mm -hmm. know like i'm like uh they're like because people come on and they'll be like it's really fitting that you named it this because everything's really fucked up and i'm like i'd really like it not to be mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> like it was yes. i mean it, 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 yeah uh, using a term like dystopia is a lot more fun when things aren't actually dystopian i think yes so, absolutely yeah there's a there's I, a theory that uh it, certainly in the uk um in the sort of mid 90s things were pretty pretty okay and yeah. so comedy got really dark not just comedy but um um like game show like the weakest link for instance came along yeah and even big brother was quite mean when it first started and comedy like like the office and stuff like that just got quite so dark and full of you know edgy humor and, and it was just at a time because everything else seemed fine and yeah. now we uh we really don't like that kind of we don't need it because real life is, is is dark enough yeah, it's a very fine line. What I find interesting is the people that don't quite understand why that might not be like acceptable. Like I'm I'm for anything that's funny. You know what I mean? Like what like I understand like if it's a genuine joke and I can see the mechanisms of it and you know, there's no animus behind it. Like I'm like, "Oh cool, that makes total sense as a joke. People just need to get over whatever it is." But there's mm -hmm. some people who are like super they just don't get why they can't say a thing anymore or why it might not be like where it might be truly horrible and i'm just like oh man how can you not see it like you can't feel you don't feel that yeah yeah i well uh, you know the, the the constant free speech debate that goes on both sides mm -hmm. of the atlantic can be quite wearisome at times because right. i think i think the, the annoying thing is for some people is that certain people get away with saying certain things right and then and then guys like before he got outed as a sex pest, Louis C.K. occupied a very unique, I just said very unique. That's terrible, <laughs> terrible. Things are either unique or they're not. It's a binary. But he occupied a unique um, place in the comedy firmament in that he was able to say certain words 
he would use the n-word and chris rock would laugh you know what i mean he yeah. wrote a whole speech into a sitcom that involved the f-word so you know the the, 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 the the big bad homosexual slur you know right right and and it somehow took the sin off it because of who he was and everything and he, yeah, he would use these words on stage and everybody had this thing of because they knew where his heart was he just sort of got away with it in a way that right. he doesn't mean to get away with it anymore because he's he's examined a lot more now yeah. but i think some guys who'd only been doing comedy a wet fucking day right. saw somebody like him and went, oh, well, i'll do that and then i go oh, no one's laughing at my rape jokes and go, right you're not quite good enough yet yeah to get away with that these are the these are the double black diamond runs and you're still on the nursery slopes so right but oh. they, they, those guys will 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 you know will then go I'm, I'm going to give up comedy and become a free speech campaigner as well. You know, we, right. Maybe just maybe just give comedy a little longer and see if you get good enough to do this thing that most people actually can't do. Yeah, it is really weird that they seem to be able to circum or, or they think they can circumvent having uh, the talent and putting the time in to do comedy properly mm. by just becoming this kind of shouty free speech advocate. Like it's it's a very weird thing. And also they're able to monetize it now somehow too. Yeah. like. If you get enough nut jobs who it's so weird, like so like I'll notice that on my Instagram feed or any or anything, any kind of social media stuff that's going on now, you'll notice like this audience that's following this person is not a comedy audience. They're a I'm yeah. angry and mm. I think I've been uh, marginalized somehow. Mm -hmm. So and, th and this guy's my hero. But then mm. they'll also kind of subsequently follow them like they'll go to their comedy shows and I don't, i'm like what you're not laughing at any like you do like it's nothing's adding i'm like you do like are you just doing this out of spite because sometimes i can get behind spite but i'm, oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm all for spite like, yeah <laughs> you know if they actually said that i'd be like i get it i respect that that makes i i totally get where you're coming from is there can i tell you the i'm sure you know this already because you've been to america a bunch of times too but the impression that i'm getting with all this free speech stuff too is that when when a lot of these guys and I don't know if it's because of um, kind of a oh man, I hate to even uh, reference his name, but, but like a Russell Brand before he he started getting into a bunch of shit now with everything. But like mm -hmm. he was he was also getting into that conspiracy theory kind of shit and kind of, you know, building that fan base on his podcast. But a lot of the Americans seem to have this idea that, um, you know, uh, Europe in general is a lot more free when it comes to like what they'll accept language like you know what i mean like is that do you you're there you know what i mean is I, that how you feel or i would say that in in the comedy world the uk scene is far less tolerant of anything that verges on racism particularly that's great i found it and i found this when i was in america particularly now part of this i think is that when you when you go to somewhere like the comedy cellar the bill it was was at the time this is again this is the 90s the bill was more multicultural and the audience was more multicultural so mm -hmm. it felt like doing jokes about hispanic people or jewish people or black people well because they're in the room and you're including them it kind of felt like you could get away with it a bit more whereas right. the, the a lot of the clubs in the uk are were quite monocultural both with who was on stage and who was in the audience so it didn't feel like you were including people it felt like you were just slagging them off also, we had a real divide in the late 70s, early 80s between what we call then mainstream comedy and alternative comedy, which is not the same mm. as alternative and mainstream in the States, where okay. alternative, alternative comedy came to be very much the American style of just standing there doing observations and things. And before that, it was your, uh, you know, guys in suit jackets, 
you know, in bow, bow ties doing mother-in-law jokes and right. racist jokes, you know, uh-huh. doing joke jokes, pub jokes. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. And, and sort of when the, when the comedy store started in, 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 in the UK, that was our ver- that was our alternative, you know. So so that then any kind of hint of being a bit racially charged as is the new term for being racist <laughs> uh, is, is frowned upon a lot more, I think, in, because it just feels like a throwback to to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like that is uh, makes a ton more sense than probably what we've got kind of going on over here. And I, I don't it's I was talking to um, actually my manager about this kind of stuff because we kind of she's a little younger than me, but we're about we're around the same age. But like we she's very good at the social media stuff. Mm. I I'm good at like I understand it and I like kind of doing it. But I, I also feel like I'm way behind on what everybody who's born like yesterday can probably do and kind of pick up on. But I keep like having to remind myself that I'm being fed an algorithm of a thing. Even if I'm watching something out of curiosity or maybe disapproval or hate, it's still picking up on it and showing this to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be more aware of that. But for me, I'm like, man, it's kind of a bummer to see, you know, um, God, like the, like the Joe Rogans and the, and those, there's a, there's a select few, uh, of those guys. And I'm not saying like comics don't go on their shows cause it's a great advantage to get an audience, I guess. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they're friends with them and I have no problem with that. I've I mean, I'd them. rather be talking to Joe Rogan right now than talking to you, John. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I, I was it. talking, if I was talking to Rogan right now, my yeah, New York yeah. run would be sold out by the time it, I, <laughs> I, I put away my microphone. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Oh, yeah. right. I mean, to be honest with you, if I did go on the show, I would argue with him about the fact, because he had a couple of guys on, he had the guys on from the, what I think called Trigonometry Pod, yeah. who are the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yes. Who were complaining about how you can't say anything. And they were and they were making up shit about stuff that's going on in the UK circuit. That's not happening. Yeah. But they, they, were, they were telling him what he wanted to hear, you know. And I Thank would you. love to go on and just uh, offer some balance I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, the, that, I'm glad you said that though. Cause that's exactly what I was thinking. Cause when you do see those clips, you're like, oh man, there's a, there's a, a bizarre perspective coming from that side of the aisle, but I don't get to hear or see what you just said ever. And I'm, and obviously it's his show. Everybody's got a skewed point of view. They can say what they want to say, but the, but it's, but it's, man, they've got so much money and so much influence over the industry over here. It's kind of mm. like, it's what dominates, you know what mm. I mean? So there is that narrative of like, yeah, you're being oppressed constantly. And it affects mm-hmm. like there's a professor that's always on Mars show um, and he's kind of got I think I think my friend actually had him as a, a business professor of uh, Rutgers University. But his um, his name is it's like Professor Galloway. Do you know that guy? You ever seen him around? Mm-hmm. He, he's constantly uh, he seems to be like a little bit of a Jordan Peterson light um where you know he's not he's not he doesn't go that hardcore with it but he does kind of espouse the idea that like uh that white males are suffering in society mm-hmm. and um you know um and there's like this anti-social behavior that's run rampant through and people don't go out and i like if, if you're listening to it you're like oh mm-hmm. my god that sounds fucking terrible that's horrible mm-hmm. and i'm sure there's some people that feel like that but i'm out all the time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i don't you know, sometimes I kind of want to juxtapose that with like <laughs> actual then be like, I'm, I was just at a fucking concert, man. There's a ton of community at the Toad the West Rocket concert. I was just, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or like, or like when I go see comedy, man, people are coming out to see those shows and <laughs> we're all having a good time afterwards. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But, yeah. The other yeah. thing I noticed when I, when I first started doing stuff in the States again in the nineties, uh, was actually how safe you had, how tame you had to be in certain ways. 
Mm. Like language. I mean, I used to be on stage and saying fuck every other word. And there's a lot of clubs mm-hmm. where that's really, really frowned upon. I really felt like every time I swore, there was yeah. a mm, from the audience, depending on yeah. the night, depending on the crowd, which is just you get up at any comedy club in the UK. It's just expected. Yeah. Then you go and see to the average night at the comedy store. It's, you know, people are doing stuff about pedophilia. People are doing stuff about, you know, whatever. <laughs> fucking their sister, whatever. You know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's just jokes. And, and, and everybody's laughing. Pardon the handful of Americans in the audience. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, you go to the equivalent of, say, Caroline's or something like that. The, the, the language is very much, has seems to have a leash on it. Sure. See, it's, it, and, and there seem to be a lot more places. I mean, I did a, a week in Vegas where obviously you expect to yeah. be a little bit. But even then on TV, you know, uh, the fact that you'll be bleeped if you say God damn on network yeah. TV, no matter what time of the day or night. Yeah. Stuff like that I found very surprising because I always thought of America as a far more permissive society than ours. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, oh, man, I, I talk to my, my friends and I about this all the time where I'm like, I was naive when I was younger because I really, for some reason, thought that our generation, like just the way the culture what like the movies were the books were like mm. radio songs music it seemed to be kind of being like you know like especially like super liberal where it was like hey man like just don't hurt anybody but do whatever the fuck you want and we're starting to get looser saying shit and mm. south park was pushing different boundaries yeah, and yeah. like it was all in good fun and then i was like and for some reason it the bell swung the other way completely where everyone's a tight ass about shit and it's also it's a way to good way to make money so like, but if it's turned on its head, like we're even in in conversation or arguments, I'll find with the opposite aisle. If I curse, they'll be like, oh, well, you're not going to be civil. And I'm like, you just said the most heinous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. imaginable. And yeah. then suddenly I'm rude. Like it's no, insane to me. I but find that. And I find that in every walk of life. Yeah. Somebody can be the, so rude to you mm-hmm. and, and could be so offensive <laughs> and, and you go, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't fucking get what's going on I, with a yeah. smile. And yeah. now you've sworn so you've abused them. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And yeah. it's it's like you you you've been you've been so rude this whole time, and I, I've just let slip that I I'm 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 fucking confused or so whatever it is. Totally. Yeah. You know, or somebody could be like offensive, but if you like, if I was on Question Time, which is the big sort of political show here, you know, mm-hmm. and somebody was going on about about you know brown people ruining the country. If I was say. Yeah. Don't be so fucking racist. I'm the one who won't get asked back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Like, how dare you bring that language into my home? Like, that's an offensive. It's like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's the equivalent of, like, wearing a hat indoors when you were a kid. And they'd be like, don't be disrespectful. I'm cold, sir. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, um, the yeah, the, the language stuff is kind of weird in the comedy cellar. Like, you know, what you're saying about, you know, like, you mm. can say basically anything racist. <laughs> it's like, fine. But I but find I- that... I. When like, I was in you... when I was in Vegas, it was really curious. The guy I was on with the guy Don Learned, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And I thought he was really funny, and he said the f word quite a few times. He knew exactly mm-hmm. how to play the audience to get away with it. Yeah, and he did some stuff about you know sex, whatever. You know, a little bit of this guy comes up to me afterwards, goes, um, hey, "I thought you were funny, but you used the GD word three times." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess that's a happy goddamn meal right there. We talked about, like, yeah, yeah. Was, you know, and I find that that is not something a, a criticism you'd ever have leveled at you. No, over here. I just got done talking to um, 
so I, I, I recently switched, you know, some, some management stuff or whatever. So we're working on like feeling each other out, basically what I can do, what I can't do, what I don't want to do, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, I, I really had to explain that there's like a thing in my brain where I'm like, please don't like, I don't want to, if, if you're going to ask me to do anything where I have to like work clean, like, and, mm. and I don't have anything again, like mm. I'm like, it's fine. But like one, it's, it's going to be more money because I don't enjoy it. And two, mostly because like my brain for some reason, and this is probably self-destructive. If I see a group of adults and my brain is telling me that they specifically said, I can't swear in front, I can't handle it. <laughs> I, I, and I want to, and by the way, from doing this for so long, I also know that I've gotten off stage at events like that. And they've been like, man, it looks like you're really holding back. You know, we, you could have yeah. let loose. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, why don't you yeah. say, like, come on, don't tell me that, you know, yeah. like yeah. tell my superiors. And there was also, there's a, um, I don't know if you there's a, a place in Utah that um, pumps out comedy specials um, that aren't, you know, I have a bunch of people that have done it or whatever, but they're called dry bar comedy. I don't know if it's okay. like a thing. Yeah. So like they've um, but they have their own app and they do get millions of followers, but it is fucking Provo, Utah. So it's like, you know, super hardcore Mormon. And at the time somebody was submitting me for it. I didn't really want to do it, but I was like, whatever, I'll take them. Like it's, it, it'll be fun. I, you know, I'm sure we'll have a good time. They sent me a, a, a video, an instructional video that I'd love to play by the way, but I <laughs> think I would get, I think I would get <laughs> fucked if I did. <laughs> um, but it's this woman that pops on the screen and she's like, she literally goes, um, but don't forget when you come to Provo, do not make fun of the town. Do not say God. Do not do not take the Lord's name in vain in any way. If you make fun of your spouse, make sure you reassure the audience that you love them. Ah! Don't talk about yeah. Don't <laughs> talk about politics. Don't talk. And I was just like, do people like suffer through this shit? And then I'll watch. Like it's insane. What that what, that like that's like a like a thing that people will do. And comics I love have done it. And I'm like. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just, I it's don't so, get it. It's so funny because you probably don't even remember it, but I just listened to it recently it was Colin Mockery was on your I show. Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about as an improviser do when they were doing whose lines it anyway, I think it was, a, is it the CW or WB? Which is, ABC. Well, I, I, was it there? Okay, fine. I thought it was somewhere. But oh, they, oh, well, the new one they're doing the, is on CW. You're right. right. And I think it might have been there where they suddenly started. Maybe it was on ABC that where, they, where the lawyers just suddenly said, you know, you, you can't portray an old person as shaking. And uh, if uh, if you're portraying a pro prostitute, they must be more coquettish than slutty. Yeah. And stuff like that. <laughs> I did think that's... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's so weird. And you know what's crazy too is like the industry in general, you always read these pieces in like Variety, the New York Times or the New Yorker or whatever, where they'll be like, this show almost got like it'll be like a critically mm -hmm. acclaimed award-winning whatever and they'll be like this show almost got canceled because uh of whatever reason and then they're like but then the studio just let the comedians kind of have creative control and i'm like yeah just do that <laughs> just just try like just trust the creative people to like you know do a thing and it'll always be better but every time i've been in a meeting they're like they really just want to be like okay you had a good idea what if we watered it down mm -hmm. yeah and uh gave you no money <laughs> where do i sign yeah. yeah yeah oh great you're gonna have yeah. me on a billboard sign me up yeah well, um, see, well that's one one thing though i think where the u.s absolutely shits all over the uk is mm. that they are very good in the u.s and have always been of taking somebody who has talent and i mean it mainly it's the whole economy of scale you've got the You've got the resources to do it, but you can take somebody who's got time and go, this person seems like they deserve to have their own TV show and mm. build a team around them 
and make a vehicle for a person, whether it's yeah. Ray Romano or Roseanne Barr or whoever it is, right. you know what I mean? Which we just don't have that here. And anytime it, it's mm. really been tried, where a show gets sort of producer led, where they go, you know, okay, this show is going to be all about, it's going to be sketches and it's going to revolve around the subject of transport. And uh, they did one. That was genuinely, there was a sketch show called Rush Hour. And there was, there was, there was very talented people on screen talent involved, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work because the whole thing was sort of producer led. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, and, and the same thing happened with, with a bunch of, whereas then you, when you take just somebody that's pre-existing, like League of Gentlemen, or, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, Mitchell and Webb, even, or, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. you know any, any, any of those where you just go, oh, these people are already doing it. And yeah. then just let's just give, let, let's, you know, put them on air. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it works a lot. Uh, it works a lot better. I find, yeah. you know, that idea yeah, no, of just I going, I don't, I don't know, I, I, you know, somebody, that, that whole thing of just getting a stand up and building a show around them, the stand up themselves would have to write the show and make it themselves right. pretty much, you know. I didn't realize that. What it like? So when you started doing stand up, was was the trajectory for you literally just like uh, all you wanted to do was stand up? Did you want to act, or do you have any? Because that that is the American thing is like, do you stand up? I mean, in the eighties and the nineties, obviously, but like, do you stand up? Get on TV, get mm-hmm. your own sitcom, avoid doing stand up ever again. Mm-hmm. But, but what is it like? What was it like when you started? Well, uh, I mean, or certainly, I well, I never wanted to work that hard, so I always thought <laughs> it would be nice. To just do stand up for a bit and then get given a show, a sitcom, yeah. something like that, and do that. That didn't happen. <laughs> so I'm on my fourteenth one man show at this point. Nice. And I don't know. I don't know if I'd, if I'd ever have gotten into it if I'd known I was going to have to work that hard. <laughs> wow, that's a good. That's a good point, though. I mean, that's. But but like, here's the thing for anybody on the outside who has watched you from when you started to now. 14 you're like this guy's too good to not have 14 like you like i as a fan like outside of, of comedy stuff like i enjoy watching you do stand-up so it's exciting mm-hmm. for us but it's kind of funny a perspective to have of like yeah i didn't want to do 14 <laughs> i really thought hardest. i mean i remember i'm pretty sure billy Connolly <laughs> made a remark years ago about how no one's got more than eight hours of comedy in them and after right. that you're gonna have to do acting or something right right you know so so, and and I, you know, not every one of those fourteen one-person shows I did was all fucking triple A grade. You know? Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I like, like to think the last few certainly have been, but yeah, yeah. Do you guys? What's the camaraderie like for comics? By like, so like you just mentioned Billy Connolly, but like all the like, do you guys kind of stick together? Do you have a group where you like you all know each other? Like, because the camaraderie on the in the U.S. is still kind of thick. You know what I mean? So you see the same people all the time in the clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of hang out. You kind of get familiar with each other, whatever. Is it like that over there yeah. too? Or no? I found cool. I, from the moment I became a comic, I found I thought it might, to myself that I found my tribe. Now, to be fair, mm. I th- I think I annoyed a lot of people very early on because as soon as I got into like the dressing room as an open spot, I was I was like, "Hey, look, I'm one of you." Which <laughs> no, you're really not yet. Right. And that was like I know I rubbed people up the wrong way at that early stage and then because sure. the other thing is as an open micer that you don't realize is that the better you do as an open micer the less people want to fucking talk to you oh, like yeah like if the old mic, if the guy who's just doing five minutes gets up and absolutely destroys yeah then actually everybody is like oh 
yeah. and then you come and then you come off going hey didn't that like it then it's like oh and he's a cocky shit as well so it, that, <laughs> I, I know i annoyed a lot of people early on with yeah. that but I, for me i was just so excited to be a comedian and so excited to, to feel that i had found you know my yep. people so I, I i i yeah i really enjoyed that there's very very few people i mean we're bitchy comedians are bitchy obviously <laughs> Yeah, but I think yes, I think there's a camaraderie there compared to when I, like before I became a comic, and I used to work in the entertainments department in the, in my student union at the university, mm. and you do something like Battle of the Bands. I found musicians were you know fucking pouring shit on each other's amps and stuff like that. It was, it was they seemed a lot more cutthroat. Yeah, you know? or not brushing their teeth, Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the it's, it, randomly recently, I I uh, I read a thing. Um, my, uh, about Joni Mitchell. I think she was, she was back out doing yeah. stuff with Brittany Carlisle and stuff or whatever. And then I, I kind of got down this wormhole and it was like, you know, Joni and Bob had toured together. And then I read stuff. I don't know why I called him Bob. Like I fucking know him, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bob. Um, but yeah, uh, he, but he like did some fucked up shit on the road where like, it was just really petty. Like, you know, like they, and it's funny because they do love each other. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they are friends and they have respect for each other, but he would not brush. Like he would just sometimes be a dick. And not brush his teeth like fuck people up or like I don't know what that was, but like yeah, she told some right. some horror uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh geez, God, no one does that shit. I don't think it kind there's, of like there's like a couple of comics over here who I'm and I I'm I won't name names, but I'll tell you after. This is uh, the show to do it. Yeah, who <laughs> who just were renowned for doing things early on, like uh, like if the, this guy was emceeing, if mm-hmm. the next guy on was really tall. He'd lower the microphone and tighten the fuck out of it so that the guy would come on and, and really have to struggle to adjust it to his height. Stuff like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, it's a really easy way to just absolutely, you know, throw somebody. Oh, God, yeah. As a short person, that would fuck with me, but I'd, I'd get it. I'd if understand. you were short, he would put it up really high and tighten the fuck out of it. Oh, yeah. wow. Stuff oh, like that. God. But I think those people, the reason stories like that about them get around is because they are so much the exception. Mm-hmm. That generally people are not uh, are not like that. There's more of a feeling like it's us versus the audience, or yeah. it's us versus the promoters, it's mm-hmm. us versus the managers, the, us versus yeah. the club owners. You know what I mean? I really think this is that in 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 comedy. Maybe I'm being naive. But no, I I, th- I completely agree, and it's also one of the ways I can tell if somebody if I'm going to enjoy being with another comic or if they're going to be a good comic is if I feel that kind of. Like if you have that conversation where you're both looking at the audience and they're like, oh, dude, this is going to get fucked. Like, you know what I mean? Where you're just like bonding over like this is probably not a great mm-hmm. crowd. And then I've worked with people who are just so over the top, like the show must go on. We got to be, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, all right, guy, like, <laughs> like, let's just. But I think as well, something that's different in North America to the UK is that it, it, the clubs in North America have this very hierarchical system where yeah. you've got MC opener middle headliner thing even in the clubs whereas all the clubs here pretty much you know it's you've got an mc who's getting the mc's getting paid more than the other acts all the acts are all doing 20 minutes each yeah and the the mc is the only one who can't go and do another gig because he's emceeing or she's emceeing all night so they get paid a little more yeah yeah. all night and everyone's doing 20 minutes and it's quite egalitarian and on on a on a on a show like the store or jungle is one of those where you're doing you know, Thursday, two shows, Friday, two shows, Saturday, they'll rotate the bill and different people will close and stuff like that. They might yeah. have, you know, one, one person will always open one half and close it. And one, somebody else will close another. Some will work that way. But right. everyone's getting paid the same. 
Yeah. So it's a bit more maybe we're all in this together, whereas I think in North America, because of the stratification that I don't know if that can sometimes lead to. I was talking to a friend of mine, JJ Whitehead, who's a Canadian stand up. He's based in L.A. I don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he's I talking, mean... you know, he's just in the car. With the, the MC is is driving. He's sitting in the passenger seat. They've come to pick up the headliner, and right. the headliner comes up, opens the door, the passenger door, and rather than calling a shotgun, he just only goes, "Get in the back middle." Yeah, you know, that that kind of, I mean, that it does. It breeds that sort of thing of it does. You know, except because. I, you know, maybe they're not getting paid that much more. I don't know what it is. So, so they'd have to at least enjoy their, their, their place in the pecking order. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is very much like that. I remember talking to um, both, uh, you know, Ron James. Yes. Ron was on and then uh, Dom Holland was on and they both said the, respectively about their own thing. They didn't understand the, the middle and the, and the whatever, but the more I got to talk and now you just reinforced it. I don't understand it either. Like, I, I wish we didn't do things that way because it would be so much easier to work with our peers and our friends if just because I'm headlining, I can't work with, you know, unless our, you know, whatever, we wind up on the same bill, like, and co like all that shit has to be done. It'd be just so much better to just get paid the same and have a good time at the club. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it would, also the audience, I think, would have a better time and, mm -hmm. and it would just be a better show. But they... Yeah, they don't do that like that. But then, but then the thing with the clubs is that then in the in, in in North America you have more of the system where even if you're a big TV name, you're still touring clubs, yeah, and getting paid quite well. Whereas in in the UK, it's almost like your your raison d'être, your aim is to get off the circuit and start yeah. touring, and right. so people are very quickly because we've got a lot of very small, you know, like sort of art centers that only hold like a hundred people. Mm -hmm. And you could see you'll you'll tour that, and you maybe you'll bring a support act with you. With, yeah, you, yeah, you're sort of paying out of your pocket. Sure. But we very quickly get into a thing where you 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 kind of get off the circuit, and uh, and into so that's I think that's that's the other side of the coin maybe. Yeah. That you know, in order to keep you know the the, the bigger comics playing the circuit, you got to let them do longer and and pay them more, I suppose. You know? Yeah. Now that makes sense. I mean, do do you find do you like it when you come over here? Like, how are you received? in you know your own hometown like your home home air like do you do you like performing locally like do you do you enjoy that or do you like do you prefer to come to america like what was the goal well i have well i mean i haven't performed in america in a long time i did a whole lot of sort of hit and runs in the 90s and then i just okay. things started going well here and i just america you do have to unless for some reason you get discovered you know you know whatever one of those sort of montreal deals or something like that sure, yeah. you, you can't just do a you can't just pop over for a week okay. and then yeah. or, and then go home and then go. But if you need me for foundation, I can take do I can do a tape or I can or I can be on a plane. I'll be there in forty eight hours. No, right. It's like if you haven't shown the commitment of moving there, they're not right. interested. And I just wasn't in a position where I could move. Mm. So I kind of I gave up on that whole market in the nice. sort of you know it's in a, a year ninety nine two thousand. So oh wow okay yeah. Uh, and so I but I've always I I I, I enjoy it. For fun. I did go over actually to the, the, the Boston Comedy Festival, yeah. Oh, for the for the laugh. I, um, that was in about two thousand six, maybe five or nice. six. Yeah. Oh man, that was a year after I started. Right, and I did, you know I did a little bit of just mucking about. I did the you know Dennis Leary's Comics Come Home gig. Oh yeah, uh, that's a blast. But again, but that's going to be made at the Just for Laughs festival because I did. I was in the Just for Laughs a lot because I was doing a show for Irish television about Just for Laughs. 
So I was right. going there pretty much every year and, 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 and hanging out there. So I got asked to do that. So that kind of stuff is before I had kids, I would mm-hmm. happily get on a plane and go and do a gig just for the fun of it. Right. Now it's, you know, you kind of every night you're not, you know, seeing your family, you kind of have to justify it financially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my wife's not going to tolerate me just getting on a plane to go and hang out with Dennis Leary for a couple of nights. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm but, not. But, but honey, you love Rescue Me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> she's like you can have him come over and play here uh, you guys can you guys can do all the shit you want here um that's crazy though i like so when you when you were a kid like is this something and i know it's one of those you know questions that i feel like everybody kind of gets asked but i i am genuinely curious did you have any other passions or was it always this like did you want to be no yeah. just this that's incredible i didn't yeah, it was it and i genuinely used to talk along i mean i would i was not weird i had a tennis racket that i would play pretend to play music on you know i had a i would mime along to and pretend to be in a rock band in my nice. bedroom but i would also talk along to we had a, a billy Connolly album oh, so good like a vinyl album yeah. of billy Connolly, and uh, also not the nine o'clock news you know which is the thing rowan atkinson oh yeah, um, yeah. first came out of so um and Monty Python. Yeah. And I would talk along. I would literally mime along uh, or I'd recite them word for word. Mm. And that's, yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I would literally, I remember doing it, walking to school and reciting a monologue by Rowan Atkinson from Not The Nine O'Clock News in the same way you might sing a song to yourself. Right. And this is when I was like 11. This is not, <laughs> this is not as, a, as, a, as a university. Song. Right, right. Yeah. So it, yeah, I was something I was always obsessed. I ne- but never thought I could do. I was just obsessed sure. with it. I just loved it. And then it wasn't until much later at university, when I was sort of twenty twenty one, and I would, I I, uh, I it was more that somebody would somebody would quote me back to me, <laughs> and and I would go, oh that's funny. Where did you hear that? Said, you you said it like you said that two nights ago. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Oh, that's that's. That's really yeah. funny because I would I'm because then I'm evaluating it objectively. Sure. I'd forgotten I'd said it. I was drunk, whatever, and I go, "That's such a, so." Like I just bought a little dictaphone recorder and started making notes of funny things I'd oh, said. That's so great, uh, and uh, and tried to build a, a, a set. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. How how are you at um like meeting your contemporaries like your heroes because you mentioned billy Connolly, but now i'm sure you know him pretty well like are you no i never you met never him. met him never got to meet him never met him i mean i've met you know i've great i got to meet plenty of people yeah i've met john i've met john cleese right. i met eddie Izzard. Oh. you know i met you know people who were you know, rowan atkinson oh, wow. you know i've met people who i you know who i grew up watching and, and now you know, i've met you know briefly but you know met like, you know louis ck sure sure Chris, people like, you know so it is exciting yeah it's that, and I think it's when it's having somebody like that treat you, even though they're indulging you, mm-hmm. but having them at least pretend to treat you like an equal is, yeah. is one of the sweetest things. Mm-hmm. So uh, Adrian Edmondson, who was one half of, uh, he he was from the thing called the comic strip, but he was also, he was in a sitcom called The Young Ones, Oh yeah, which was a big thing here in the 80s. And then he went on to do a sitcom with Rick Mayo from The Young Ones called Bottom. And he was, you know, he's... A, a massive figure in 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 British comedy uh, from from as I say from the sort of nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a couple of nights hanging out. Nice. Ben Elton would be another. And that, yeah, those people. They're the moments where you really go. I can't believe 
I got to I got to meet this person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's funny because even like when you're saying you were a kid and you were kind of into that kind of stuff, it's weird how it's changed over the years where it's so popular now <clears throat> that everybody it's not it doesn't seem as you because even when I was younger, like comedy was my own little thing. Like I was like, oh, my God, I have all these, you know, CDs, albums and stuff, and I get to listen to these people and no one knows them. So I felt cool as shit. Mm-hmm. And also I got to be the funniest <laughs> kid at the time. You know what I mean? Like I was like, no one's listening to Bob Newhart. I can roll out some some phone yeah. sketches real quick. Um, yeah, well, because at the university, the classic thing was to quote Monty Python. And I was quoting Monty Python when I was in secondary school, <laughs> high school, as you would call it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, this is, this is I'm, I'm sorry, you people bore yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I know this shit. You don't need to look the yeah. back of my hand. Yeah. Um, that's that's, that was the thing that always got me about the film Sliding Doors. Yeah. You know, is that the life, the amazing life she has with John Hanna? Yeah. And he's there quoting the fucking Spanish Inquisition sketch from from Monty Python. You're like, this is supposed to be the amazing life. She goes, she's falling with a bunch of arseholes. She's having to hang out with fucking children. (laughs) (laughs) These people are annoying as fuck. Oh, my God. That's so fucking true. Oh, that's great. (laughs) <laughs> what a what a great way to look at it, Jesus Christ! Uh, do do you remember? Um, I don't like a time in your career where you'd mm. say you were secure, not secure, but like I guess um, where you were like, "Holy shit, this is I'm I'm in this spot in my life, and this is paying off." Like, do you remember that moment? Do you remember mm. what that was? Uh, well, I remember b- before that. I remember quite vividly. I was staying in a really shitty flat. Uh, on Cold Harbor Lane mm. in Brixton and getting ready to just go out to just do a set, just do a 20 minute set at a comedy club just up the road right. and not really feeling like it. For the first time, I'd been doing comedy a little over a year, maybe a year and a half at this right. point. But I remember going, oh, I gotta, I gotta go. And sort of saying, oh, I gotta go to work sort of thing. Right. And going, Wow, this is the closest this has felt like actual work. This is the first time I haven't really gone. Hey, I got to get on stage. I just I, I got up. I got. Up, I just left the room, left out in a, in a kind of a. Uh, I got to do this because I have to because it's a commitment, and I actually weirdly felt great. <laughs> it was weird. It, I remember going, "Wow, it's this is my job. Yeah. Like this is as bad as it gets. <laughs> this is it's already commonplace. How how cool is that?" Yeah. And uh, I remember feeling that. And at the time, I, w- I was not yet really financially secure, but I just enjoyed the fact that in my head, I was able to just treat it like putting on my tag, going to the office kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think around about 99, 2000, I got, actually got really complacent. Uh, I, I was doing, I'd landed a very easy, I, I was doing a, a commercial for a, a, a cell phone retailer in the UK called... Um, Carphone Warehouse and I I worked for them for like three years and it was just an easy gig and I didn't have to do anything else Mm. and I was still working I was still doing stand-up with a little bit I totally took my foot off the gas and really went downhill um, sort of uh, artistically Mm. or or creatively so I think it's I I, I think being comfortable is uh, is not advisable yeah that would be my, I love that you said that, man, because that's a, a theme I kind of circle around all the time because not being not being comfortable makes me oddly comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, because it, ma- it mm-hmm. makes me feel like just from talking to uh, people like yourself. And then, um, do you know, Lunell, the, the stand up comic, she's out 
she's been doing it forever. She actually, she's, she's this um, hilarious, just heavy set black woman. She sits on stage all the time at this point. Cause she doesn't give a fuck anymore. She just pulls right, up a chair, yeah. you know, sits down and she goes these amazing stories. But I was yeah. um, hanging out with her and like Caroline Ray and, and a few of those people at like a, a show time. I know, I know Carolyn. Okay. I've worked with Carolyn a few and, times. Yeah. And I was talking to Lunella, and they were kind of like, I'm like, oh, what's going on? Like, you guys excited? You pumped? You're all going to be working together? You're doing this special thing huh. or whatever? And she was like, right now, we're all arguing about who doesn't want to follow the other comic. And I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, yeah, yeah. man. And then she was basically, you know, just kind of like, yeah, no, we still, because like, I was like, I think I was like, it doesn't end. Like, you guys are not like, yeah. and they're like, no. And she goes, and if it ends, yeah. you're kind of done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't care anymore. And I was like, that's such an interesting great way to look mm. at it because i oh i still get like you know i'll be about to go on stage and i'll look for the exits like what the who the fuck do i think i am can i get out of here like you know and then like mm -hmm. they call your name mm -hmm. and you just kind of go up or whatever but and it always feels good mm. when you're on stage but like man my friend and i when we go out on the road together I, like we'll just be like oh my god uh i hope you know like you just get the, i don't know i do anyway i still get very in my head but then it goes away as soon as it's like it's like not doing your uh book report when you're in school and then mm. and then but also kind of like getting up in class and knowing you can schmooze the teacher and the, you're like you know what i'm just gonna just gonna wing it and see what happens it's like fight or flight yeah. you know <laughs> and then you work out works out well yeah well the, the thing again over here more so uh than over there is is you're expected i think to turn over material at a greater rate yeah particularly if you're at the touring level people don't want you to show up to their the, the same place and doing the same material as they did the last time. People get very arsy about that here. So um, I'll do, you know, COVID kind of messed things up, but I would, I will normally do a new show every couple of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I'm coming to the end of the old tour and I know I've got to then write the next one, I, that's when I start to fantasize about winning the lottery. That's when it's all about, <laughs> uh, couldn't I just, couldn't I just, I don't know save some kids from a burning building and, and then everyone will just love me yeah. or something. Can I do something other than have to rise another yeah. show? But then I'm never happier than say at the end of the first or second night of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is generally where mm -hmm. I'll premiere said show and it's gone well, because mm -hmm. that's it. That's then my life is mapped out for the next 18 months. Sure. You know, I will tour around the UK. I'll take it to Australia, New Zealand. I'll take it to, you know, a few other places. I'll, and then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm set, mm -hmm. you know, once I've got that new new show. And, you know, I, I'm, I can feel, you know, as you're doing fewer TV slots and stuff like that, that, you know, you, the audiences are dwindling, but they're dwindling slowly. People are still coming out to see yeah. you, you know. Yeah. So, so I'm, I think I'm, you know, and so I, this show I'm doing now, I only wrote, again, I just, I've been doing it since August. Right. So it's, it's a new show. And so, I, again, I'm set for at least a year doing this nice. show. And then I have to think about what do I do next right. to them? Yeah, it's weird. It was, I don't know if you felt this out there too, but 2022, like the minute we started going back out after COVID, it felt like nobody could get enough of concerts, comedy, like everybody was mm. fucking psyched to see each other. And it was a blast. When 2023 hit, I felt like a shift. Mm. Like everybody was kind of over it. You know, I didn't want to see, even for me, like I was kind of getting a little bit of an, and like a, just kind of going through the motions of, of the year. And I don't know if that is the same way out there or whatever, but it was, it was a weird shift. I don't know that people were as, you know, dying to get back out there as, as I hoped that they would be. Mm -hmm. I think when we first got shut down over here, I thought if it had, 
I, I said to my wife, you know, see when we get back out there, you, you won't be able to get a ticket for anything. Like everybody's going to be, you know, out. It, you, it could be just everybody will want to go out. And I think if we'd only been shut down for maybe six months, that would have been the case. Right. But the theaters here were closed for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. There was no theater with it. And even when we weren't locked down, it was, you know, the theaters were still closed. People were having to go and do outdoor stuff yeah. and drive-in shows and things like that. So, you know, none of that was happening. And everybody just got out of the habit. Sure. I think people and people are still kind of out of the habit. So you're seeing ads on, you've seen commercials on TV for Book of Mormon and stuff like that. You never used to have to advertise things like that. People were stepping on their grandmother's neck to get a ticket for Book of Mormon. <laughs> That's a good point. But now they're advertising. Yeah. And, and it's like everybody is still working for because the actual audiences, the audiences has shrunk. And I think the amount of people... Well, it was really, really congested mm-hmm. in sort of tw- late 22. You know, it's still, even booking my tour that I'm doing now, it's a lot harder to just get, right. you know, a, gigs to be rooted in a way that makes sense yeah. for I'm going to this place and that's only then 50 miles. And then, you know what I mean? It's, it's you're up one corner of the country and you're down in another country and up, uh, you know, you're, you're spending a lot longer on the road because just there's the competition to just get into the venues is sure. still actually pretty, pretty, pretty intense and the amount of people who are actually coming out to see shows is is, is i think is still down on what it used to i be. think it is too the craziest thing though for us is like the legacy acts that decided to come back which is as a comedy nerd is mm-hmm. exciting for me but at the same time it's like if people are going to spend money to go out to risk getting sick they're going to go see sandler you know and spade yeah. and all those guys who are now deciding to do comedy again and not only that they're also going back to the clubs. So before it was like, you know, when I was when I was coming up, you were kind of hoping it, it sucked because nobody was getting TV shows anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Or, or like that right. thing. So like the headliner that was ahead of me when I started doing comedy, they were like, that guy's not going to fuck. That guy's going to die on stage. So you're not going <laughs> to like if you think you're going to you're yeah. going to move yourself up. So I was like, wait, what? That's not how it happens anymore. And then now even even worse than that is like just everybody and their mother is like back out doing comedy. So it's it's mm-hmm. real weird over it, like it's which is cool, but like you mm-hmm. know, and now well now people are having to find different routes into the industry yeah. as well, and so a lot of people are doing just filming themselves at home, doing sketches, <laughs> stuff like Only that. Only fans, and they're and they're, <laughs> but you know what I mean. But the different route, like rather than it used to be, getting on stage was the only way to yeah. get yourself an audience, and now it's you know, there's a lot of people doing very well, you know, sketch troops and stuff like that, selling big venues you know thousand seaters yeah just through their followers on instagram yeah. and stuff like that which is i think some comics can some of us who are forged in the crucible <laughs> of the circuit can look down on yeah. that but i i think it's i think it's quite nice that there's other routes and other ways of doing yeah. it because it kind of then it then it frees up yeah the, 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 the those routes as it were you know it's cool it's kind of remarkable because it is kind of interesting you're like man i just really wish this one thing would hit you know, but I do, but I feel the same way too. I don't know if I'm, I think I'm just old. I don't know what's going on. Like I'm, I'm going through the motions of like, God, I'm such a, how old are you? I'm, I'll be 39, November 28th. Okay. That's, you're killing me saying that you're old. I'm 51. <laughs> like I, I, I was just saying to my audience, like fucking Miley Cyrus is singing songs about how she used to be young. I, I know. And it's, I, how do you know how fucking old that makes me oh, feel? God. Your dad, your dad mm-hmm. was on the radio when I was young. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't particularly care for him. I, I, I care for you less right. for making me feel ancient. Oh, God. You used to be young. You are 
you're a fucking wet day alive. <laughs> I know. I don't know what it is, man. It's just my. It, it's uh, it's. It could be like the the three years everybody aged and locked or whatever it is. But I'm like, mm. I don't know. I'm just feeling weird, dude. I don't know what it is. It's probably unchecked mental health shit maybe or uh or or whatever i I have people to say the same thing you do where they're like dude why aren't you out Mm. like you know like you're fine i'm like no i don't know i have this like cloud of dread i think that 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 i feel like Mm. it's just around also like i mean i know everybody like has every generation has their thing right but like when i was a kid 9 11 not a kid but i was in high school when 9 11 happened then we weren't allowed on you know fucking school trips and buses so my entire like we didn't go anywhere you know what I mean? After that, like that was fucking weird as shit. Why weren't you allowed on buses? We were not allowed on, but we weren't allowed to go on class trips because we weren't allowed to take buses into the, like we couldn't go anywhere. Like our class trips to, to travel anywhere in general was done. So because of, because of fear of terrorist attack, yeah, because of nine 11, they wow. live, we weren't allowed for a year uh, to leave. We used to be able to leave the school to go to lunch. And right. we weren't allowed to leave after that. So they, they, they there was a like a whole shift, you know, uh, of the way things were done. With, and also there was stuff we looked, that was what you looked forward to. You were getting old, you got to drive, you know, you got to go out and do shit. And I think maybe the last year I was there is when it would finally like loosened up or whatever. But we, we right. missed out on a lot of cool shit. And then it was like that. And then obviously through college, then 2008, a recession, the collapse happened. <laughs> and then we were had a war and then we had all this other shit. So it's very like, I think it's ingrained in my system now to just be like that squirrel in Central Park. I think he's going to get picked up by a hawk. We're like, I, <laughs> just eating a nut. You know, I finally find something good. Um, but it's it's weird. I don't I don't know what it is exactly. And I try not to overthink it. But here I am overthinking it. Uh, <laughs> so, Yeah. Where, if you can't overthink something on your own podcast, where can you overthink it? <laughs> I think that's what it's for. Thank it? you. That's what. That's a good. That's <laughs> solid. I appreciate you backing me up there. You're like I'm never coming back on again. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time. Um, no, that's fucking awesome, dude. So you're coming back out to New York, you said, right? Like that. Yes, yeah. I'm going to be at the uh, the Soho Playhouse. The dude from the Soho Playhouse came to see the show uh, in um, in at the Edinburgh Fringe, and so I'm coming out in November. Beautiful. I think it's the fourth to this four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So I'm not, I don't think I'm not. I don't think I'm doing the seventh for some reason. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a bunch of us on. So that week, I think it's myself, uh, Larry Dean, who's a Scottish comedian, Glaswegian comedian, nice. and uh, Brendan Hunt. Um, know Bre- you know from Ted yeah, Lasso. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Brendan Hunt's amazing. Uh, he's yeah. So he, we're we, we, yeah. And I, I think before us is. Um, What's his name? Troy Hawk, oh, you know, cool. Milo McCabe, doing the Greeters Guild thing. He, so he's on the week before. So yeah, there's a bunch of and there's a bunch of comics mainly from the UK are going out there. Fern Brady, uh, oh cool, Connor Burns. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, so it's it. Hopefully, it'll. At the moment, I think I have sold thirteen tickets. Oh, okay, great. For this show that starts in. Uh, in three weeks well we <laughs> we will i will uh, i will plug the uh, fucking hell out of it man and uh i'm gonna come and uh see you hopefully one of those days i'd love to come uh say hi and stuff um yeah. well the show is called tragedy plus time it's about the death of my little brother so that's oh. pretty uh i know it doesn't sound like a very uh cheery subject but it's it's actually funny no i believe it he was a comedy director he would want me to make a funny show about his death that's great man. so i have that's beautiful yeah well you know, what was your relationship just like? doing jokes isn't enough yeah yeah. what was your relationship there's like? got to be sadness <laughs> what was my relationship with him like? what was, yeah when you guys were younger when you were coming up did he want to do the same thing 
You know, well, he was five years younger than me and I left home when I was 18. So we weren't even friends until, you know, until later. And then he came over. I invited, he came and lived with me for a bit when we were sort of, when I was, I guess when he was, when I was about late 20s. You know, I guess I must have been about 30 and he would have been 25. Yeah, he came and lived with me for a and then, and then he started, yeah, um, doing uh, directing it. His thing was helping people take sort of forty-five minutes of comedy and turn it into like an hour-long Edinburgh Fringe wow. show or Melbourne Comedy Festival show. That was his niche. Yeah, but he did it for a lot of people, and he did it for a lot of people, including Larry Dean, who's going to be who's going to be on Soho Playhouse same time as me. So. Um, yeah, so he again, he he'd want me to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So the joke is, if you don't laugh at this, you're the ones disrespecting the dead. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Was it was it hard for you to piece it together though? Like how how good are you at going back through your life and and especially if it's a tragedy? Like, well, you know. yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go. It, it was, it's all, it really all centers on the last sort of three, four years, anyway. Okay. So and and but you know we had we had a big argument a couple of years before he died and then made up. Oh, so that. A lot of it's you know sort of revolves around that, mm. uh, and it's 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 interesting the level to which people identify with that kind of sibling rivalry, and even yeah. if you haven't, it's, it's so so the last two or three tours I've done have, have focused quite a lot on having kids, mm-hmm. and it's incredible how alienating that is for people who don't have kids. They really don't want to hear about yours. <laughs> Whereas when you're talking about sibling rivalry, even with people who who haven't lost siblings mm-hmm. they still get what you're talking about when, you, when, you, when you're telling your story about your your, your late brother right. so it's it's nice people and people do want to come up to you afterwards and tell you their stories about what they've been through with their family and yeah. go you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna call my sister oh even though i hate her yeah. to tell her that i love her you know so that's quite nice <laughs> that is nice yeah and, and it's true it is weird how oddly relatable it is my but my dad passed away um it'll be a year in november uh right and um but i i you know, I usually don't touch on my family. I have a, my family's all from Brooklyn. My dad's from Brooklyn. They were, there's the, the stories are very mob related and very, you know, okay. as you would, as you assume. So they're interesting, but it's just not something I like. His, de- his death wasn't mob related. No, 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 not at all. I mean, <laughs> honestly, it could, it could really go either way, but no, I was, uh, I was, I was there. We've had, oh man, I could tell you some shit. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but I started talking about it when I was on stage and, um, it was nice. It, I wasn't sure if they were going to be able yeah. to relate to the debaucherous life that he had mm-hmm. he had kind of led, but they really like embraced it very nicely and well. And I got to talk about the death thing a little bit, and it was it was oddly mm. cathartic. I didn't think it was. I thought yeah. I was like, nah, I don't need to. I don't need to mention it. It's fine. Nobody needs to know. Yeah. But it was nice. No, when I was when I was first putting the show together, I I I couldn't do it. I couldn't tell the stories without crying on yeah. stage. You know, when I was doing the sort of work in progress shows, right. but it's. It goes after a while. You you, you get used to it. You just you know, and then and then what's weird is if, if it's only now and again if if an audience is really good mm-hmm. for some reason if an audience is really laughing for some reason they're the ones where suddenly it all seems to become that your emotions float closer to the surface. Yeah, for some weird, weird reason. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, but by and large, if I can I can I can get through it in a fairly detached. Just keep a lid on my emotions. That's awesome, man. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you the last three questions that I ask every guest yeah. on the show. Yes, do. Sweet. Um, first question is, uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself mm. that would help you today? Oh, I go, dude, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to write like 14 different shows. <laughs> like more, more. You're going to be, you're still not going to be retired and you're going to be going, oh, that I had to do. You're probably going to have to do at least 20 before you retire. <laughs> so 
strap in, uh, write write it all down, right. keep a note of everything, record it somehow so you can maybe go back and repurpose <laughs> stuff from earlier. Because <laughs> I'd forgotten a lot of stuff I used to do. I had a guy phone me up one time, a friend of mine. He was doing a corporate gig, and it was so he just wanted one of my jokes that I used to do about jugglers because mm-hmm. he was going to be doing this gig and there was going to be people there who were jugglers. Yeah. He wanted to use a joke. And I said, dude, if you hadn't just reminded me of that joke, I would have forgotten I ever even wrote it in the first place. <laughs> wow. So absolutely have nice. it. Nice. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's great. I don't think people do that too much out here. <laughs> I think they're like, are you fucking... <laughs> Ask permission. Yeah, no, I think they just do it. <laughs> um, uh, so the second question is, what had to end in your yeah. life, uh, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? It's funny because I know a lot of people say they're relationships, but yeah, ending of relationships has been quite uh, useful. But actually, I, I I think my youth, my youth had to end. Wow. Yes. Nice. Because uh, I really, as again, I said before, I alluded to the fact that my career really kind of trailed off when I was doing that mm-hmm. ad, you know, and, and it, money was easy. Yeah. But also I kind of ran out of stuff to talk about. I was just, you know, drinking and smoking and hanging out in my flat and just, you know, I wasn't really living much of a you know much of a life that anyone could relate to and then once i met my wife you know when we first started going out and then we got married and we had kids it just growing up Mm -hmm. gave me a lot of stuff to then and it it gave my career a whole second wind to just have to be able to just give me stuff to talk about and you know that 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 people could relate to um so yeah i would say that i'd say my youth I see my desire to, to to just be a single drunk who, you know, didn't do anything of, you know, of, of, uh, of, of mature nature. It just made me so uh, excited to get older. That had to end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't feel yeah. so bad anymore. I'm getting tired. That's the other thing was I feel my friends and I went away. Um, we always do it. We've been doing it for 15 years. Um, and you know, we'll go to ocean city. We'll rent a house. We see, we haven't seen each other we're from all over the place. We come in and then, uh, you know, we usually just drink for like five days at this point in time, yeah. we were like, I'm going to die. I can't do mm. that. Like, I was like, I, I fucking can't do it anymore. Like, it's just, it's mm. killing me. Um, it's all right. I, I, I remember talking to a guy at the just for last festival about that whole thing in the American industry. I, I was asking about a particular comedian and, and why they weren't, you know, he just said, Oh, they were up to bat and it didn't happen. And so they're sort of, you know, they're just back to the circuit, whatever. And says their only hope now is they, you know, they get married and have kids and then that becomes their next Uh, thing. You know what I mean? There was like, there was like two phases of career. You're either a young, hot alternative comic who's talking about the, the hot button topics of the day, you know, or you're, you know, a grown up relatable talking about, you know, the school run, you know, little league, that kind of stuff. And that's, they're your two bites of the cherry yeah, yeah. to become, you know what I mean? I might just go the Hassan Minhaj route and just make up that I have a fan. <laughs> I'm just make up, shit. Make up yeah. shit. I'm just like, oh, my, my four kids. People are like, is he mad? Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so last question is tied to the show. Yeah. So if this is a genuine dystopia, mm. more so than it is yeah. now. You wake up tomorrow, you find out it's everybody's last day on Earth. What is happening? Is it like, a, what do you think is going to be happening? Alien invasion, zombie apocalypse, climate change uh economic collapse and how what would be your epic death how would you want to go out oh oh i think i'd like it to be maybe a zombie apocalypse nice. and i'd like to go out in just an absolute hail of bullets <laughs> in, a, in a in a in a compound made of ship containers that i managed to make a a decent life for myself in for a while but eventually it just had to stop 
and they just come pouring through. Oh. And I'm like, come back! <laughs> and then they come in and just rip me apart. That's beautiful. Yeah. Something really yeah. cinematic like that. I love it, man. Yeah. Nobody picks Zombie Apocalypse, so I'm glad you did. That's a good one. I don't know. I just feel it's just... it's. I, I just feel it's a... It, it's That's the best yeah. blaze of glory. You know. I also like that you slipped and in and like, you've had a good you life. Know, like you were like, I was comfortable uh, for a while. Bye. I really like the idea of the of, of of the of the compound made of shipping containers for a bit. Yeah. But it would probably get old after a while. And after a while he's like, Oh zombies come and get me. That is great though. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're just like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. The hell with it. Um <laughs> thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh I will absolutely plug all your shows. If anything else, you uh, website, where do you want people to find you? I mean my yeah, edburn.com is my is my website. I, I, Mr. Ed Byrne, Mr. Ooh, Ed Byrne. Nice. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Classy. Awesome. Yeah. Other, um, other Ed Burns already got there before me. What can I tell that's you? That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be Mr. Yeah, Ed no Byrne. No one to go formal. Very rarely does I have a couple people in my family who have the name John Poveroma, which is infuriating because I'm like, really, guys? Really? Um, including mm. a hat, like a half. It's just a, it's a long thing, but yeah. But thankfully, I snagged everything social media wise. So I think they hate me. Pretty handy. Uh, <laughs> like his <laughs> fucking poser and his stupid. Um, yeah. Anyway, thanks so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Not at all. Hopefully, see you in November. Yeah, absolutely, man. I will.